It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder, and plunder, rude, the Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Heather Artis at BlackPearlMinute.com. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And make your announcement. (laughs) You can't go first. You know, it's really ridiculous that Disneyland is changing the Pirates of the Caribbean ride to get rid of the bride auction. That's what you have to say? That's what I have to say. Would you read my notes? No. Thanks for joining us for minute 123 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Heather's already trying to jump into things and steal my thunder, but at the risk of alienating some of our audience that actually everyone out there has helped build, so thank you, don't be so quick just to leave us if, in case you don't like what I have to say, but give me another chance if this rubs you the wrong way, because what can I say but pirate? That's my excuse. Just pirate. Just pirate. But I was... All prepared to maximize my 4th of July long weekend to do a little shopping. Then the great mouse decided to completely disrupt my trip. I had my flight to Southern California all arranged. My three-day pass to Disneyland in hand. And just last week, Disney dropped some bombshell that they are succumbing to politically correct culture and getting rid of the bride auction on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Just what Heather was talking about. And perhaps you saw it posted in our Cursed Listeners Crew group on Facebook. I was supposed to say group. I don't know what that was. (laughs) I was all set to really hang out at the theme park. Pieces of eight were burning a hole in my pocket, so everything was in line for me to pick up another 18th century bride, or wench, I should say, from the auction. What the hell, Disney? Axing a most famous piece of the ride? These are murdering, pillaging, and plundering pirates looking to settle down and turn over a new leaf. (laughs) Without the auction, now who's going to keep these scoundrels in line? I mean, seriously. Exactly. Secondly, where in the blooming cockroaches am I going to get another bride? The first one went rather well at the auction. Well, maybe okay, at least from my standpoint. From Heather's standpoint, in point of view, it's like winning the lottery for her that I went to that auction and picked her up there. Yeah. Really? Got you from a... That's ridiculous. Pirate auction out at Disneyland. Worked okay. That's all right. Anyways, what's going on here? (laughs) Is this really necessary, though, for them to change this? No. No, it's ridiculous that they keep, that they're changing it. Absolutely ridiculous. They already changed the merry-go-round guy who's chasing the women, and then they changed it multiple times now. And to actually change this bride auction, it's just ridiculous. In all seriousness, this is a blow to an historically significant ride that I understand undergoes periodic refurbishment. But getting rid of an original part for PC reasons doesn't ring scalawag to me. I'm all for adding some strong female elements, an unflinching woman pirate, but let's do it without replacing an original element that generations and millions of people actually have grown to love and take not as reality or a blemish on society, but took it for what it was, a tongue-in-cheek humorous bit of 18th century references, for God's sakes. Yeah. If Disney doesn't stop messing around with this ride, there's not going to be anything left of what Walt and... All the creators back there created. Exactly. It'll be completely different. I mean, Walt, had this is the last ride that Walt was involved in. 
before he passed away. And Disneyland is just getting rid of all that. All of the elements that he brought to the table, yeah, are kind of yeah. going away for this. And this is such a historical ride. This is probably their most popular freaking ride. Yeah. And now it's going to be gone and changed in a blink of an eye. Or decades, because it's been Well, over yeah, decades. but still. But seriously, for Cotton's Parrot, adding a freaking female pirate, giving a male pirate a beatdown, sitting on a pile of treasure holding the male pirates at bay with a flintlock, anything can be done. Besides getting rid of that, if you wanted to add a strong yeah. female character or change that up. You guys and gals are Imagineers. Did you hear me? Imagineers. That's the most awesome job and most awesome job title in the world. Now look what you've done. You got me all flustered before we get to the breakdown of today's minute. We're not done and perhaps an episode dedicated to celebrating and discussing changes to the ride is in order. Maybe just the changes, but in the ride in general, and then we can get into some of the changes. But I think that's something we definitely need to do. Then I can revisit my irritation of this pending 2018 change to the rides. Notice I didn't say anger, though. It's because it's more of an irritation. Anger is reserved for fighting the real battles out there, not from behind a social media handle where... It's easy to claim those who are irritated at this PC change have misplaced priorities. But where the rubber actually meets the road, those are the things that need tackling. This is merely an empty gesture and in no way is endorsing or even has sanctioned human trafficking. Come on, people. It's simply good old-fashioned pirate plundering, pillaging, murdering, cannonball blasting, island marooning, walking the plank, sending to the depths of Davy Jones' locker, hanging, sword fighting, stabbing, <sighs> shanty singing, sailing, and shooting fun. Fun for everyone, boys and girls. Trust me, I saw it all at the NorCal Pirate Festival. It's fun. <laughs> we don't want to get rid of all that good pirate action, do we? No. That's what I thought. Let's just have some fun with it. Stop reading so much into it. Exactly. Just fun stuff. Ding politically correctness. There you go. In the previous minute, Elizabeth Swan gasped at Captain Jack Sparrow's exploding flintlock. Will Turner restores political correctness by returning the Aztec medallions to the chest... And a clearly distraught Barbosa bleeds from a newly minted hole in his heart at the news that Disney is erasing the bride auction from the Pirates of the Caribbean theme park attraction. As he continues to mull over the history-changing news, he relays his frustration by saying, I feel cold. Just before he falls over dead, unable to take a bite of that wish-making apple that would have restored the ride and allowed everyone to live happily ever after. Minute 123 begins with a close-up of a now-dead Barbosa lying on a pile of treasure he amassed while searching for the Aztec gold. We cut to the HMS Dauntless, where the cursed crew and British Royal Navy are in the midst of hand-to-hand -hand combat. Commodore Norrington stabs Kohler, which is immediately followed by an unusual silence that falls upon the deck, the crew realizing they are no longer cursed. The minute ends with Murtaugh and Mulroy holding Pintel and Rigetti at bayonet point. Pintel mutters, parlay? Norrington says, the ship is ours, gentlemen, sparking the men to celebrate. Now since we're settling into the minute and relieving my frustration... With Disney. Is it really Now relieved? it's the love of Disney for this Pirates of the Caribbean movie that we talk about on a daily freaking basis. <laughs> How crazy are we? But for this minute, my note is, what the hell, Kohler? And that's because, is he trying to steal Barbosa's big death moment? Yeah. That's what I thought. Thanks for acting that out, but no one saw that. This isn't a video podcast. <laughs> Not that Kohler can take the cake from Barbosa, but there are quite a few similarities between their downfalls. It's just a matter of scale with them, I think. Obviously, Barbosa has the big, symbolic, tug-at-your-heart, powerful death. But Kohler gives us a mini-performance that struck me as a similar revelation for the crew. I know you don't think so. You're giving that look like, ah, I don't think so. But let yeah. me make the case. Let me make the case. Okay, go ahead. The curse is lifted and Norrington stabs Kohler. Okay. Only for the crew to realize that, yikes, 
or Scooby-Doo, Jinxies. We're not skeletons anymore, and Norrington's blade has blood on it. So we see all that. He sees it. The crew sees that. He gets that look on his face that has a touch of relief. There's pain from being stabbed, and then the realization that they are no longer cursed. Cursed. And he's dying. It's that cold feeling. All in a kind of brief second. Yes. few seconds. Very few. I just see that look in his eyes that this was not how things were supposed to end for them. Yeah. They were to defeat the Navy, return to the cave, and get the curse lifted. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. It's that freaking simple. And what happened? It didn't happen that way. didn't happen that way. And I get the sense that he's not... He's accepting it because he's feeling pain kind of like Barbosa, or he's feeling life again that's been restored to them. But then there's that relief like it's done. I've been restored. The curse is over. And then he kind of dies. Because he falls over. D.E.D. dead. That range of emotions and thoughts running through his and probably all their minds is like compressed in this small amount of time. It's not that lengthy Barbosa sequence. Right. It was an interesting choice, I think, for Verbinski to run with the death of Kohler from a filmmaking point of view. If you were to pick one antagonist out of the film, besides Barbosa, obviously, that the audience would like to see take a fall... It just might very well be Kohler on that list. Maybe even if it included Barbosa, they'd probably rather see Kohler die than Barbosa, maybe. Or maybe this is just skewed perspective Bosun. because, well, it could be cute, skewed perspective on my part because I'm seeing Barbosa further along in his character arc. If it was just that, I'm trying to get into the mindset of just seeing the Curse of the Black Pearl. So maybe I would just say in addition to Barbosa. But you're saying Boson? Boson. Really? Boson? Why is that? I don't know. I just don't care much for you, the guy. Oh, he just rubs you the wrong way, yeah, so you don't like it. Yeah, he does. It. But don't you think that that's the same thing with Kohler? He's the one who grabbed Jack back at Fort Charles with his skeleton hand. He was the one who continually growled at our heroes whenever he had a chance. Yeah. He even growled at Pintel and Rigetti, our likable, cursed crew members. He gave off that truly evil pirate vibe. Not the tragic death figure that we could attribute or make a case for like we can do with Barbosa. Obviously, his tragedy is nowhere on par with Davy Jones, and I'm talking about Barbosa because Davy Jones is really a tragic villain. And you can stay tuned for that in season two. Yeah, I'm already plugging season two. Barbosa has a different air about him. And this idea, as we discussed kind of in yesterday's episode, but getting back to Kohler, he's that almost the epitome of that evil pirate that's a notch down from Barbosa that's not that main character that you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that guy dying. Yeah, I was okay with him dying. I See, didn't care. See, that's what I'm saying. You didn't care. I didn't care that he died. Poor, poor I would like Kohler. to see Kohler or Boson die too. Boy, you are just on a death roll today. That's not politically correct to just wish these oh. people death. Boson's just—he smacked Elizabeth. That's true. Boson did smack Elizabeth. He made Pintel and Rigetti wear women's clothing. Yeah, but see, that was part of the comic relief with that. I know. Kohler has never really had that comic relief. He's no. always been the hard pirate, the one that even if Jack tried to butter up against him, I always liked you. He growls at him. Right. He's been the one that's never really been that likable pirate. No. He's had a cool look, but it's not about looks. He's the one that has always been kind of in the scene when something is happening too. Like Elizabeth is being transported to the island. He's there. Yeah. Will is being transported to the island. He's there. And he's the one who growls and goes by. He's always with Twig. And Twig is the one who's always been giving some of the comments too. He's the more vocal of the, right. the duo there. Kohler like, just growls. Yeah, but there's no sparing any blood this time. We're going to spill it all kind of deal. Kohler's, he may not have been always the one taking that lead, but he's always been there. 
and being the nasty guy. Yes. Pirate guy. So that's all I'm saying. Okay. I'll agree with you. You're not in your argumentative mood today, which is amazing. Sometimes you'll... Because I'm not that... I'm not that... Invested in him? Yeah. But I'm just saying that he was... He'd be like that one guy that you don't care then. Maybe that's how I should have put it. You don't care if he dies. And so that they chose him. He does have standing in the movie as not just a background pirate character, but somebody that we've come to watch and is kind of a second level, a supporting pirate kind of guy. Yeah. That we don't care that he goes away. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He was wearing the red shirt. And he... Yeah, kind of. But maybe more so than a red shirt. He's the... He's the guy in the red shirt who maybe has more of a name and a little bit more, but he does end up His dying name's guy. still. Yeah, guy from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> he's the he's the one who wants to be so bad on the show. He's striving for that, and then you know that oh god, he may die. Guy may die. <laughs> and in this case, he does. Unlike Galaxy Quest, spoilers if you haven't seen it, he actually eventually makes it onto the crew. Even after he died. So there is kind of a weird rebirth with that. But this isn't Galaxy Quest. I did mention Twig. So there's also some good stuff with the other half of this duo. And Twig knows that the curse is lifted. Yet he's still sitting there contemplating whether or not he wants to continue to fight. He's pirate. They were in a battle. I know that. But now life if is you on see the line, them, though. that's what I'm saying. You yeah. see him standing there with his sword and he's not willing to drop it yet. Yeah. Kohler falls over his partner, his duo, this pair is gone. He's obviously weighing the ramifications of not being immortal right now. Yeah. So I can see him thinking about his options. Fight and most likely die because of all the Navy. Or surrender and go to the gallows being guilty of piracy. Either way, there's a death sentence in his future. It's just a matter of timing. Right. Immediate death or maybe a few days or a week from now. Probably pick immediate. Really? Yeah. So you, yeah, Do you want to die by a stabbing or do you want to die by a hanging? Okay, let me set this up for you. That's a different question than what we're seeing with Twig. My guess is that he decides he goes to the gallows for one big reason. Because he does drop his sword. He gives up. It's not that he's going for the stabbing. Yeah. So there's one big reason and then there's this minor reason. The minor reason is that typically humans opt for delayed death as much as possible. That's what we do. We put it off as much as possible. Right. We procrastinate death. Right. There's always some hope in the back of your mind maybe. Sometimes. Never really been in a life and death situation, so I guess I don't know. I'm just imagining. From the, all the movies I've seen, my experiences I'm drawing from the movies, people want to delay that. And maybe even history. Hell, what do I know? And I'm not even... Debra David. Just boggled my own mind. <laughs> Had a mini stroke on the air. There's also some hope, like I was saying, or even just delaying the inevitable is often like, but not always, the, the most chosen option. However, the big reason is that, yes, he will be hanged, but in the meantime, he will get some time, even if it's a few days, to live as a feeling person, not a cursed person. He can taste. I'm sure they'll give him some rum. He's lived 10 years with the curse, so a few days experiencing or at least remembering what it was like before the curse is preferable than immediate death by stabbing. He just got the curse lifted. You don't think this guy, can you just bring me a cake or something? In prison. I'm sure they'll bring him some food or something. Maybe. They'll probably just give him anything. bread and water. Who cares? He hasn't tasted anything. It's been ash. He just wants to go out knowing like, hey, you know what? I tasted. I got some rum. <laughs> Maybe someone will slip in some cake. Little dessert. That's what he wants. So that's what I'm thinking. Don't you think? Yeah. An immediate death bite. And then he's like, oh, I'm like Kohler. Nobody wants to be Kohler right now. No. Or Barbosa. Like, I was so close. 
Barbosa had the apple in his freaking hand and didn't get a bite of that. Kohler didn't even have that. He's just like reaching for that cake that was down below on the Black Pearl. Yeah, on the other ship. How dare you? How dare you bring that up? (laughs) Maybe there's cake on the ship. There's cake down. If the Black Pearl has cake and a feast set up like that, this Dauntless should be rolling in high society (laughs) foods here. The Black Pearl was prepared for everybody to be able to. Taste food again. That's got to be what it was, right? Yeah. That cook was down there. Yeah. Cooking away. Nobody got to have any. Nope. The camera work pans to the moon just to show the audience that, hey, we're in full moonlight here and everybody should be skeletons. But I don't think we actually needed it because we do know the curse was lifted. Did we need to see the moon? Or I think is it, it was confirmation for all the pirates. That's what I was wondering. Is it almost like it's backing up the idea that the formerly cursed crew are contemplating fighting? And are not yeah. immortal anymore. Yeah, they they're it's like they were looking form, like they're going. Okay, is the moon? No, the moon's out. Wow, <laughs> we're human again. Well, that's when they drop their, all their weapons yeah. too. So they do make that realization. Like, right. oops, we're not. The as soon as they see the moon again. and that they were actually human form, they laid down their arms. They just laid down their arms. They're all just cuddled up on the yeah the deck there. That was very 18th century like of you. I say drop weapon draw. Lay down your arms, folks. Would you sign this accord and lay down your arms? Do you think living 10 years as an immortal pirate that it would hinder your fighting abilities? That's my question. Yeah, because you're going to fight whatever. It doesn't matter because you're not going to die. You're going to take, let them stab you, whatever. You're just going to take chances you wouldn't take with being mortal. That's what I was wondering. And yeah. that's what I was wondering if they were also thinking about when they're doing that. Like, oh my God. Because they have gotten used to not having to worry about being stabbed or any of that stuff. They could right. take more risk. They didn't have anything to worry about. Now as mortals, that could work against them in multiple ways. Being too risky could get them killed or wounded. Right. Because they're just running in. They're like a rash Will Turner thing going on. Or it could actually work against them because they could be too fearful. Of getting hurt now. Now they're like, oh, I could get hurt. And so they're going to be really standoffish when they're fighting. And it's not going to come over real well. And then that could impede their ability to fight skillfully. So I thought that as well. And that maybe played into why they just all of a sudden dropped their weapons. And I don't have much to say about this. But this is the minute where worlds collide as Mulroy and Murtog. Murtog and Mulroy mm-hmm. meet Pintel and Rigetti. Yes. And they go, oh my god, are we brothers? <laughs> yeah. It's the bizarro pairs meet for the first time. And there's no implosion, so I guess that's good. Yeah. Because there's always that chance that they could annihilate each other into pure energy when you have matter and antimatter coming together. (laughs) But I thought it was cool that we finally get to see them come together. These two duos that we've been following, these two comedic duos, and they finally get their moment together. Yes. After Rigetti catches his eye. Yeah, and I have some stuff I want to say about that. And that comes about... With some like great cinematography in this sequence when the weapons are being dropped. They make use of this knee height shot to see the swords falling to the deck. Which rolls right into the height of a crawling Rigetti finally catching his freaking eye. Yeah. I thought it was just a nice use of perspective. And they've done this before if we think back to other kind of falling weapons and falling soldiers actually. Which is interesting parallel. Because when the Cursed Crew were running along the deck... They were dispatching the soldiers, the Marines that were on board. 
And they were using that kind of knee height level yeah. to show all that action. Here we get that again, but this time it's just actually kind of the opposite of that. Instead of attacks, they're actually surrendering. So there's some oppositions that are happening. There's some comparisons. But the juxtaposition that really stands out for me is that the formerly cursed crew are dropping their weapons and Rigetti is picking up his eye. So they're dropping, he's picking up. It might be a wooden eye, but interesting that the pirates are dropping their swords. They're dropping a life that they were forced to embrace with the curse. And now Rigetti picks up and puts his eye back in place. And he does this. And it's almost like he and they are seeing life through new eyes now as a mortal person. Because he puts his wooden eye back in as he's a human. It's kind yes. of that symbolic nature. He's now seen as an immortal You're person. You're stretching your symbolic I'm not stretching. There. How dare you? <laughs> he dropped. The, the crew dropped one life. And now they picked up another. Look at that. Although it may be short-lived thanks to Norrington and the Navy, but you don't like that? How dare you? I'm just saying it's a little stretching. He picked up his eye. Got it. And he stood up and there's a whole new world going on. Yes. You don't buy this. <laughs> He's crawling after his eye as a cursed crew. Yeah. A skeleton, immortal. Yeah. He gets his eye. He puts it back in. He stands up. He's mortal. Yeah. Along with everybody else. Right. It's a whole new life that he just popped up into the world in. Yeah, he did. So... Soap. Let me <laughs> soap. Get them pirates some soap. <laughs> when Murtaugh and Mulroy are pointing their guns at Pentel, he comes up and says, Parlay. And with a smile, the guy who tells everybody, I don't want to hear the word parlay ever again. And then he uses it. Oh, in that's this pretty instance. cool. Yes. He didn't want to hear it ever again unless it's in a situation that demands it. Yeah, unless and he's he was using the one it. To say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I found that kind of interesting that they that he actually said that in this minute. Yeah, it was a funny callback to the whole parlay that yeah. really underwrites this entire movie. It's almost like it's ending on parlay. Yeah, and it began with parlay. Right. He was the one who actually was asked for parlay. In the beginning by Elizabeth of the movie. Yes. And now he's asking for that from the British soldiers. Right. Well, specifically Mulroy and Murtaugh, Murtaugh and Mulroy. Fair play. Yeah, and he's asking for it all of a sudden too. So it's kind of an interesting bookend to the whole movie. Right. And I think that the writers even said that they didn't like to do bookends. But I've seen a couple of these things pop up. And I know we talked about a couple <laughs> in the past. But this one is definitely a bookend to that note. Yeah. For sure. And you see when uh, Rigetti puts in his eye how squeaky it is when he's rubbing it? I didn't it's see all... it. I didn't see that it was squeaky, but Whatever. I heard that it was squeaky. Okay. Did you hear that it was squeaky? I did that just for you because you would normally call me out on that. No. But no, I didn't actually hear it was squeaky. You didn't hear it squeaky when he rubbed his eye? I wasn't paying attention really? to the squeakiness. Oh, when he was rubbing his eyes. Thank you for that sound effect, You're Foley welcome. artist. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little tidbit. But what do the squeaks mean? Is there any symbols to the squeak? No. I didn't think so. Dang it. Because the big symbolism of the moment is him picking up a new life and a new eye. Seeing the world through fresh eyes now. Human eyes. But it's still wooden. doesn't matter that it's wooden. It's a symbol of it. Oh, okay. How dare you? That's all I got for this minute. Do you have anything else? (laughs) That's it for me. No ending on death. But we can say it's about ending on a rebirth. It kind of ended on death. I mean, Kohler fell over dead. Not the minute. Oh, the minute. You got to catch up. I don't think you ever listen to what's going on here. We're not talking about the minute ending. I'm saying the show is ending. There's no ending for the show on death because we were just talking about rebirth. Where were you? (laughs) 
But we can say it's about ending on rebirth. Didn't you hear all that? I just wanted to say that Kohler fell over dead. It's a new life. Happy 4th of July, Independence Day, everyone. There, rebirth. There you go. Yes. What do you mean? Why are you giving me the squints? Have our independence. It's a whole new country going on. I got to explain everything around here. It is a whole new country. Yeah. A one where bright auctions are not allowed. How dare you take those away from us? We'll be back tomorrow with minute 124 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling and frustration to a minimum. Now get me my rug. Rum. Wait. Why do you want a rug? Oh, Yo, no. You wanted a rug. I'll get you a rug. I'm going to have some rum. Give me you my rum. A, no, you want a rug. If you want to celebrate 4th of July with a rug, rug, go for it. That's really weird. I don't want a rug. Heather. Heather. Pliny, she always disappears right after the show. Get me my grog, she says. Probably at the Faithful Bride Tavern. Again. Heather, are you in there? Bring me my grog, you scurvy barkeep. Mother's love. What are you doing in here? You always take off before telling everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. So get on with it, Savvy. I'm disinclined to acquiesce to your request. That means no. I know what it means. It means you're getting another rum, and I'm thanking the listeners. Thanks for listening, scallywags. You like the show? Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might feature your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. Now get out of here, you filthy bilge rats. (laughs) 